Hello, I'm Mars Avila from Common Field, introducing The Art of Conflict, a program from What Now towards artist-led movements. Movements for justice are not free from conflict. Competing priorities, a difference in values, scarce resources, and unacknowledged power are among the many factors that can give life to new and challenging dynamics within and between like-minded social change groups. On Sunday, October 2nd, Angel Newman, co-executive director of AS220, and Janae Pina, AS220 youth director, led an online workshop on conflict in arts organizing. This discussion was rooted in their work, particularly with young people, at AS220, a community arts organization in Providence, Rhode Island. All right. Here we are. Thank you all so much for your patience. through, through this year today, I'm Madhok Frencho. My pronouns are she, her, and um, I'm the convening program director at Common Field. Thank you all so much for joining us for The Art of Conflict with Angel Newman and Janae Pina. Um, if you haven't already and you're joining us here on the Zoom, go ahead and include your pronouns uh, in your name just hover over your image or your name in the participant list. You click on those three dots and in the drop down you click rename. Also on an access note, we're going to have breakout rooms today. If you're using captions or ASL interpretation, please DM me um, and and I'll make the um, breakout assignments accordingly so that you're connected. In case you haven't reviewed our community care agreements, so you can find the link in the chat in just a moment. Raquel's going to drop it in. And if you encounter an unsafe situation, please contact uh, um, either Raquel or myself um, to, to address it. There is ASL interpretation uh, today provided by Dina Hobbs and Cynthia Norman, who have been lifesavers they stepped in to do so much over this weekend and are killing it so thank you so much um you can uh, and you can they'll be spotlit throughout um we also have jada spires who is bringing captioning you can click cc um to see the captions uh if you're joining us in zoom and if you're in the space they should be up on the screen uh, please message Nabila Ahmed at Common Field, with the, whose name on here is Common Field, with any tech-related questions. And that's it. I'd like to welcome today's session presenters, Angel Newman and Janae Pina. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Hey, everybody. How you Hello. doing? What's up? What's up, everyone? Ma, thank you so much. For that introduction. Hi everyone, both who are online and folks who are in that beautiful space. 
Uh, we can see you. We're so interested. We're like, whose little dog is that? So cute. <laughs> um, so my name is Angel Newman. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, and I am hailing all the way from the East Coast of the United States in Rhode Island. I like to say the smallest state with the biggest heart. Don't come for me. I, but, you know, we have to say that. We have to represent because we're from Rhode Island. Yes, yes. <laughs> and um, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But, you know, um, uh, we are both from AS220, AS220 Youth. And in a very like small nutshell, it's an arts and culture organization in Providence um, that I, we both have come in different ways at different times. Janae will talk more about herself, obviously. But I've been at AS220, this arts organization, for the last... I don't know, almost 20 years. I started when I was a 13 year old in the youth program and was mentored into different um, leadership roles over the last couple of years. So everything ranging from an AmeriCorps Vista um, to leading special projects um, in, the, in the music program and the youth program to directing the youth program. Um, and now as co-executive director along with Sean and Duffy, um, who's not on this call today. Um, but Lots of amazing stuff. I feel super blessed, mad honored to have been at AS220 for all these years and just um, been able to also like raise my kids um, as part of the culture in the space. It's made a huge difference in not only my life, but like just like my trajectory, my kids' trajectory. And so really excited about that. So yeah, happy to be here with you today. I'm gonna pass it to Janae. <laughs> Hello everybody, um, yeah, I'm Janae Pina, um, I've also been at AS220 for uh, quite a while, not as long as Angel, but uh, around, you know, 10, 11 years, uh, kind of the same thing, started off as a Vista, um, I was actually like moving back from the West Coast, back to the East Coast, which is my home, I was moving to Providence and um, I heard about this really dope youth org, uh, in downtown Providence, and I really wanted to be a part of it. And then, yeah, start off as a Vista, and then um, eventually, you know, leading into like membership, I don't know, education coordinator and um, operations manager, and then youth director. And now I'm the director of programs at AS220. Um, and um, yeah, just being there for as long as I have, it has been an amazing experience and I just can't wait to see what happens next, you know, on our, on this AS220 journey. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's really, that's, well, no, that's really about me. Yeah, and we'll talk more about our, <laughs> ourselves, um, you know, like as we go and, and sort of how it relates to the topic at hand. Um, but before we, we get into what today's topic is going to be about, we wanted to properly introduce you to AS220, which is only right to introduce you through the youth program, because that's both how myself and Janae got to AS220. Yeah. Um, but really, AS220 youth is a portal to so much more. Um, and, and also not because it is everything, it's mm -hmm. everything happening at one time, but the yes. youth program is part of, uh, is one of eight programs at AS220. So we have like a gallery program, um, live work studios, uh, live arts programming, um, a theater, uh, we have like commercial space, all types of stuff. Um, but I think in both of our minds, AS220's heart and soul is the youth program. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, we wanna show you a video and have the young people themselves talk about what AS220 youth is so it doesn't come from two old people. <laughs> so we can go right to that video.
Okay, we're gonna try that one more time. And we can go to that video right now. <laughs> there may be, oh, it's okay, it's all, it's all right. Listen, we're not, it's not about being on time, it's about being in time. So we're here, we're here for it. We can also just dance until, you know, the video comes up just so we can, you know, get into the, the mood. How's everyone doing today? Can you actually drop how you're doing in the chat? How, how are you feeling good, feeling motivated? One word to describe how you're feeling today. Bring some thumbs ups. Yeah, thumbs use the emojis. And we can, we can keep that moving while we get the video going. about five to six months ago and it was probably one of the best decisions I've made because if I didn't come here I would have been and there's a lot of talented artists such as painters music artists rappers singers models a whole bunch of different stuff that you could come here and take and start your career as an artist AC20 is a multimedia space for kids to come and hone their art skills that'll help them be prepared for life. AC20 to me is the future. It's the voice of the youth, it's the voice of the people, and it's a place where you can be yourself and really hone your skills. It's a place where all the youth come. We can collaborate, do our own work, separate, but we just come here, do our art that we love, our talent that we enjoy. And it's a very dope scene. Atmosphere is very energetic, you know? It's very peaceful, positive. And we come here every day just to get the work done that we want. And I'm part of the music crew, Zero Crew. And it's 20. I'm a music apprentice here. And what we do is we write verses, make songs for future worlds, you know. And that's like the best part about it, really. We get to perform in tours like PVD Fest, Food Fest, other big festivals have like thousands of people in there. And it's lit. 
Ace Attorney is a dope place to learn all that amazing stuff, okay? <laughs> to show you that video so you can kind of just get a better sense of um, what our program is and also you can hear it from our youth from our young people um, but uh, so ASG 20 youth we are an after-school arts program in downtown Providence we work with youth 14 to 21 and we um, kind of have like I don't want to like a hyper focus or really intentional about working with our youth who have been incarcerated formerly incarcerated or uh, who have been in care and custody of the state. Uh, we also are intentional with work, uh, working with um, pregnant and parenting teens um, and just black and brown youth in Providence or in Rhode Island, in all of Rhode Island, because we are kind of small. Um, and we, um, we have two main programs on our floor. Uh, which are our performing arts program, which has music and dance and a little bit of theater, sound production. And we also have our visual and media arts program, which has uh, like more media, which is video, film, digital photography, um, like darkroom photography, graphic design, and then visuals, which also covers our apparel program. So fashion design, um, uh, painting, drawing, murals. Um, we kind of cover a, a lot of things, um, but we, um, yeah, we primarily work with youth 14 to 21. We also have a jobs program as well, and we hire youth from 16 to 21 to um, really come up with, create, and work on uh, this year-long multimedia production which we call future worlds and angel's gonna kind of get into a little bit more about what future worlds is um and yeah we so we primarily have a drop-in program we have we have classes our exposure classes and then we have our works program um and am i leaving anything else out i think i think that's about it and maybe just elevating the part that we have our our downtown studio campus and then we also work yeah our <laughs> two main partners are the rhode island training school which is the youth prison in rhode island and then also um noel academy which is a, a high school that was um historically for pregnant and parenting teens although they're open to um, a lot of young people especially those in the care and custody of the state as well mm -hmm. and so we really look at those two programs as being like our feeders um meaning like they're like the bridge for like young people um, into our program and we're doing our recruitment there and, and prioritizing them for jobs and opportunities and things like that. Um, yeah, but I think that's good. We'll talk more about youth in, in future worlds in a little while. Um, I wanted to kind of set up just like what this talks about today, or at least what we hope it's going to be about. Um, and then we'll just see kind of where it goes also, <laughs> depending on what interests you all have. Um, 
week we were approached by Common Field to talk a little bit about the art of conflict. Um, and, and no, this is not going to be like a class in conflict resolution. Um, we're not the Nonviolence Institute. We have mad love for them, but they do a lot of great work about, you know, like conflict resolution and things like that. I think what we're hoping to bring is a different lens around not necessarily um, how to uh, how to deal with the conflict, but more so how do you create the conditions so that you can work through conflict? Mm. Um, I don't know if, if, if that makes sense, but to me, there's a difference, you know, it's like, how do we create the conditions in the environment so that when conflict does arise, we have the tools to, to grapple with that mm. um, because it's inevitable, right? Like, um, we're, we're up here, obviously showing you like the fun parts about our program and the things that we love about it, but there's undoubtedly a ton of like, work that we have to do that young people have to do that adults to adults have to do just to work through um you know all the way from like systematic to interpersonal conflict that gets in the way of us doing our work um and then i guess in some ways is also just part of our work so we wanted to talk about how how do we navigate um creating an environment that is conducive for working through conflict um yeah and so before we do that, kind of mm -hmm. wanted to set the stage by showing another little clip from somebody who I know myself and Janae and folks at the youth program, we really look up to um, Adrian Marie Brown, who's an author. And I'm sure a lot of you may, may or may not, I guess, have read her work or their work um, around emergent strategy. They wrote books, um, you know, anything from Hold and Change to Pleasure Activism and just really, I think, pulls together frameworks and like elements and principles for organizing in a very beautiful way that's rooted in nature um mm -hmm. and in our ways of being as folks of color um and so for me she every time i'm feeling a tad bit lost or maybe even a little bit down on just like organizing in movement with people <laughs> i kind of go back to her work um in some ways to get some inspiration to fuel back up um and again her work has really helped to shape a lot of what we've done at AS220 in the last three years. So I wanted to pay some homage and also just help her voice, bring her voice into the room to set up this next part of the conversation. So we can go to that video real quick. Shout out to the folks helping us with tech today. We really, really appreciate it. We know this is so much. Um, and so can we get some snaps for folks for a common field helping us with the tech? Cool. So bear with us as we get that next video queued up. Being people that heal from trauma, it's amazing. So I'm really honored to be with you all today. Um, I was really compelled by, and I have continued to be compelled by all the choices made in the creation of this space. Um, looking through the booklet, like landing into the space, there's just so much love and care and intention at every single step. So I just wanted to say thank you. Um, thank you to the land here and to the water here, to the people of here. And then thank you to the folks who created this space for us. Um, it really means a lot. And I was really excited because I'm like, we choose all of us is such a compelling invitation. I was like, okay, I can come there. <laughs> I fit. Um, and it's a compelling conversation because right now we're in this upheaval of all the harms, all the harms. So many of the harms are just getting exposed and unveiled. Um, I said something last year 
well, I posted something on my Instagram last year and it ended up going viral and I didn't put my name on it, um, which I think was good. I think that's the, you know, the universe being like, you know, it's not about you, girl. Um, but I said that things are not getting worse, they're getting uncovered and that we must hold each other tight and continue to pull back the veil. And, you know, people are like, no, it's getting worse. It feels worse. And for me, I'm like, I think if it feels worse, that's a sign of how covered it was for you, right? Um, this is why I do science fiction writing and I always talk about the distinction between utopia and dystopia and that I'm not trying to create utopias because they always sit on top of dystopias for someone. And I've never seen it done separately from that. Um, I think it's something humans struggle with, but I'm trying to create something that's beyond a utopian or dystopian condition. And it means choosing all of us. And it means that we all do harm. And in this moment with things getting uncovered, what we would rather be able to say is you did harm. You did. And I did nothing. I'm good. Right. It would be so nice if we had that, but I don't have it yet. The only person I've met, people I've met who have it are in the one month old range. After that, it's, I'm like, I know you just pooped on purpose. That was harmful. That was, the diaper wasn't on yet. That was not nice, you know? But this idea that none of us are disposable, none of us are disposable, um, really finds its root in nature. In the natural world, everything has a use. Someone will eat it. Someone will use it for fuel. The ground will swallow it up. The ocean will turn it into a place for barnacles and coral refit out. And, you know, in, in the natural world, we see this over and over again. This is why I'm a mushroom, huge mushroom fan. And whenever I say that, people are like, ooh, me too. And I'm like, all mushrooms are great mushrooms, um, except the poisonous ones. But mostly I'm talking about the way that mushrooms can detox anything. Like you put them in the soil and they will process whatever's there even if it's chemical toxins in New Orleans after Katrina, the mushrooms will be like, I'll take it. I can use this, right? But how do we get like that with our human experience when what our recent socialization is, it's not our original ways, but what our recent socialization is has been exile or encage, entrap people, try to put them away from us and say that they don't deserve to be a part of society. They don't belong to us because we don't do harm, those people do harm. And it allows us to individuate every single harm instead of stepping back and being able to see, oh, there's this massive system and we're participating in it and we're complicit in it. This past year, how many people after the election were like, I'm either moving or I'm not gonna pay my taxes or fuck this system, right? And then how many people are still here, paid their taxes and so far have not engage the system very intimately, <laughs> yeah? So I wanna say this because I'm like, I feel very much that anyone who's living in this country paying taxes in any way is very complicit in the most massive harms that are happening on the planet. And then inside of that, there's interpersonal harms, there's organizational harms, there's all this other stuff. How do we say no one is disposable when we're such harmful beings? How do we have compassion and love for each other and for ourselves? That's what I wanna explore. I'm good with that. So, Emerge Strategy is my best offer. All right, we can cut it right there. Of overwhelming. All right, all right. Words from from uh, 
Adrian feel like words to the sky to me. And I see a couple of people in the chat echoing that as well. Mm -hmm. And oh yes, yes, Nadia. Adrian's IG gives me life too. Especially those whole meme roundups, but like the funniest, most outlandish memes. It's, it's just fire. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely wanted to elevate her work, especially I think like Janae and myself in AS220 Youth really uh, came across Adrian's work at a time where we were also embarking on this kind of like um, question around like, what does it mean to be an anti-racist organization? Um, and I felt like there was so much about her work that helped us kind of primed us to like be able to understand and unpack what that even means, especially even for like a program that's primarily led run by and like for people of color, like us having to unpack that. Um, Adrian's kind of framework with emergent strategy and more so with this video around harm helped to kind of prime those conversations. Um, we bring this up today to, to say like, um, you know, whether you're using a design process to sort of like um, address conflict, um, whether you have like a social you know, code of conduct or community mm -hmm. agreements, or we have values that we like are on our website. And like, we all like believe in the same thing. Um, if we as individuals don't first stop and grapple with the fact that we all do harm, like it doesn't matter how beautiful our mission statement is, right? It doesn't matter how beautiful like the words are or how we've intellectualized um, oppression and, you know, like all the different dimensions of that. Um, if we haven't checked in with ourselves first and realized like when we step on the ground, like by no fault of our own, we crush ants. Like we literally like crush weeds and ants and like we breathe air that is like toxic for the environment. We start our cars up. Um, I start my car up. Like we still, AS220 is an amazing organization. We still buy from Amazon. Like, right, like all of, we, we do a lot of stuff is like well-intentioned, um, well-meaning people. Um, and, and what I love about Adrian's kind of point here is that it, it is just too easy to just kind of look across the aisle or across the way um, of the community and say, this person does harm, this place does harm. Um, when first, like we need to address how we also do harm. And if we can't, like that has to be the first step before we can even think about creating an environment of accountability um, and where people are gonna be able to kind of own their own shit. Mm. Um, so just wanted, wanted to elevate that um, as I think it's like really important context and also alludes to again a lot of the work that AS220 has done to mainly last three years just unpack the ways we've done harm in the community um and, and not necessarily because community has called us out in any way but just because we we are committed to transforming into an anti-racist organization which is we know forever work and, and you can't just like do a training or like you know read through a toolkit or, or know certain words to become anti-racist it's a lifestyle it, it's a commitment and it's forever work um, and this notion, in my mind, is the first step, is just recognizing we all do harm. Um, so with that said, I think we're going to jump into a quick slideshow to kind of help hopefully illustrate the ways in which we at AS220 and AS220 Youth more specifically have used design to address creating the types of spaces and environments that are conducive for working through conflict. So we can kind of gear that up. Um, and I think like, yeah, as we talk, we didn't know exactly how many people were gonna be coming to the, the event today. And so we didn't 
necessarily build in a ton of room for folks to talk. Um, but we want to invite people to please bring your, your voice in through the chat. Um, and we will have some breakout rooms in a few and then time for question and answers at the end. So just bear with us a little bit as we kind of front load a lot of information and then we want to make sure we get your voices in the room and, and feel free to drop anything in the chat at any time. Um, so yeah, we can we can jump to the next slide. We're going to talk a little bit about design. Um, so yeah, in the next like 10 minutes, we want to go over like the power of design, um, the types of process that we've used at AS220 and like what organizations has inspired us to do that, um, how we have more specifically been using design for organizing. Um, and again, zooming a little bit back out, like what are the ways that we've designed values and ways of being to help facilitate the kind of space that we want to be in. And then lastly, we'll jump into some breakout rooms and then debrief and then do a Q&A. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. We can go to the next one. Um, so the power of design or designers. So I like to, um, you know, when, when we're in space with people and we can dive into uh, this a little bit more, um, I like to ask folks like, you know, do they consider themselves a designer? Um, and a lot of times people will say no, you know what I mean? Um, and I think a lot of that comes from because if you haven't gone to an art school um, and you haven't gotten a degree to, to call yourself a designer um, and or you just haven't designed in a way that is um, easily digestible to the people around you, uh, you know, folks are hesitant. They're like, I'm not a designer. Like, I don't I don't design. I don't do graphics. I'm not like an architect. I'm not I don't, I don't do that. Um, and I like to push back a little bit because I think it's. Um, similar to, you know, in, in uh, Undoing Racism, the People's Institute out of New Orleans, they teach and have taught us just like how to reframe what gatekeeping is um, and have gotten us at AS220 and I think hundreds of people around the country and maybe the world through their workshops have gotten us to realize that like, des like designers, we're all gatekeepers, right? And if you don't understand that every single day, you, you know, it, most of us in our, it, it, well, actually all of us, regardless of what your role is at work, regardless if you work or not, like we all have the power to gatekeep. Um, that kind of teaching has influenced the way, at least I know I've thought about design as well. Um, I firmly believe that everyone's a designer, um, especially us who are working in schools or nonprofits, um, youth programs or whatever, our ideas about what is gonna work for whatever quote unquote population um, is coming to our spaces, whatever ideas that we actually tangibly make into a thing is design, right? That's a power of design. Um, and there's incredible power in that. Um, you know, and then, and then we'll kind of go down the list. We won't get into all this now. We talk a little bit about the way white supremacy impacts the way we imagine and implement design. Um, and then the implications of poorly designed systems. Mm. Um, so just to elevate, again, Adrian talks about um, sometimes feeling like as a black woman that she's living in the imagination of dead white men, right? Because all of the systems or many of the systems that are oppress us were once imagined and created and designed by old white dead dudes, right? <laughs> like, that either didn't have us in mind or that like they wanted to, um, again, like create some type of like privileged, like multi-generational system for, for their descendants. Um, and the implications can be devastating, right? Like we see what's happening because of the design of the prison industrial complex. 
We see what's happening because of the design of our education system. We see what's happening to families as they go to human services um, buildings trying to get childcare and food stamps because of these systems that aren't dealing with us as contributors and co-thinkers, but as like kind of leeches of the system, mm -hmm. which is so backwards and also um, a, a product of like poorly designed systems. And some people will say, that's not poorly designed. That was actually the intended design. Totally hear you, valid point, And it still sucks for us, right? <laughs> Regardless of like what the actual intention was. All right, we can jump to the next one. Um, yeah, and so it, I think like a couple of years ago at AS220 Youth, we got really, really interested in human-centered design. Um, and I'll try to make this really brief, but myself, Janae, some other staff um, were invited to go to a workshop about design thinking at a local nonprofit called Business Innovation Factory. And the only reason we went is because one of our friends worked there and it was free and there was food. And we we're like, sure, <laughs> like, we'll go get, we'll, we'll go learn about this really amorphous kind of design process. Um, and, and honestly, I think we were all really surprised and pleasantly surprised that like, this concept design thinking that none of us, myself included, had ever heard about, um, felt really natural to the creative process, you know, and was like a really cool way to approach problem solving. And at that time, five, six years ago, we had a lot of problems <laughs> as we still do. <laughs> but like, at least I know on the other side of it, we have a process that we've used to try to help um, at least go in with some confidence when trying to create um, pro uh, uh, solutions for our organization. So we can go to the next slide. Um, uh, forward, please. Yeah, all right, cool. So I'm not sure how many folks in here have heard about design thinking. Maybe we have some experts and people who've worked with it, but for us, it was new. A couple of years mm -hmm. ago, we're like, well, what is this? And basically it's a, it's a creative, um, it's a framework to creatively solve problems um, that originated at the D School at Stanford University, um, and other like champions like the Equity Project, the National Equity Project, who've like contributed to this framework and liberatory design. Like there's lots of like hands involved in shaping this. The one that we learned about was the one from Stanford. Um, and so it's basically a framework, a couple of steps or modes to solve problems. And so the empathize mode is all about like learning who you're designing for or with hopefully, not just for. Um, the defined stage is all about understanding the problem space. Ideating is about brainstorming. Prototyping is all about um, kind of taking some of those brainstorms, like the best of the best, and really trying to flesh them out and resource them. Um, and then testing is about bringing in the folks who you're designing for and with to try it out um, and see if it's working. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Um, that framework is, is awesome. And again, I think for us was super, reminiscent of just a creative process and so as artists we gravitated towards it to helpfully to hopefully be the thing that could help us do some problem solving for like big systematic things within our program um and then over time the national equity project um and i believe folks from the d school in stanford kind of remixed what design thinking was into a more equity centered um version of the framework which is which is called liberatory design and so maybe you can tell like in this first kind of um, uh, depiction up here with like the big purple and, and black 
I think that's a hexagon, right? Um, in like in the middle. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. There was two. There were two modes, two extra modes mm -hmm. added to this framework, which are notice and reflect. Because um, I think, like from what I what I what I've read and have have learned about for the folks who created this, um, the first kind of model of design thinking really lacked um, a lens that addressed our own privileges, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in our own identities and kind of going back to what Adrian was saying, if we don't check in with ourselves first in this like purple notice phase, mm -hmm. you can have the best intentions in the world. If you're designing something without checking in with your, with your own bullshit, mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to just design more oppression, regardless of how good your ideas are. Um, and also if you don't take time to do this thing that's depicted on the end, which is reflect, mm -hmm. Um, you could be designing something that starts off great and then if you're not bringing enough people in to get feedback and like making sure it's transforming as community does, you could just again be designing a really bad system. Yep. So all of these different pictures are just different ways to understand the same framework. I think the latest version is this one up here that's depicted like a flower to show the non-linearness of the process. To me, that, that, that to me is just a tad bit confusing. So I like to stick with the linear one and make a note in my brain, like it's non-linear. It can like change and move as the project does. Um, yeah, do you have anything to say about that, Janae? We rolling? Yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> we're rolling, Janae's like, we rolling. All right, we can go yeah, to the yeah. next slide. <laughs> um, FYI, guys, I'm also a rapper. So if I'm talking fast, just give me some i don't know you could put something in the chat it's like slow down i can't i can't <laughs> follow um i see in the chat would we be able to share the slides yeah we can do that we can send that to common field to follow up with um, participants um i think that that sounds very reasonable sure yeah. absolutely um yeah and then here's just like a couple of different uh bullet points on what this process is intended to do um, which is to generate self-awareness and liberate designers from habits that perpetuate in, um, inequities, to shift the relationship between people who hold power to design and those impacted by designs, um, and to foster learning and agency for those in and influenced by design work. Mm. Yeah, and I went, you know, I went to, um, I went to college like pretty late in life. Um, and I went to this really radical alternative adult college that was wild and I loved it. And I got my, my degree from there. I then went on to a very, uh, I'd say, no, I don't wanna say normal, but like traditional, that's the word, traditional like grad school program. And I was, and, you know, without throwing them under the bus, I think they're a cool college, but one of the things I noticed and I know has been a conversation there for a long time is like this idea of sending students into the hood essentially and, and giving them the confidence that they are two designers but without you know it kind of just perpetuates this like white saviors kind of um dynamic and so i have really been trying to at my time at that college and now where when i teach classes and in other spaces i really try to get students who are wanting to do like social work and like community organizing to adopt even if it's not this framework but just at least the ideas like unless you've done some work on yourself have really checked in on like your identity and like understanding that's going to change over time. Like mm -hmm. you gotta, you can't just go into community and start designing for people, mm -hmm. right? Like um, it, it starts with you before trying to go save somebody else. And so that's why I like this framework. Um, Cause it reminds, it reminds me even to do that. Cause I can be very bold and like 
dickheaded um, and I can get in my own way when it comes to the stuff. So this helps me to check back in even with my own stuff. We can go to the next one. Um, and so again, like just a really human centered design in, in our mind is just a creative, equitable and scalable way to solve problems together. Um, and really is a framework for organizing. We can go to the next. Yeah, using design to organize for justice. So just a couple of examples, we can go to the next one on how like we've taken this pretty theoretical framework and like actually applied it to real like space making and like environment creating um, at AS220. Um, the first one would be the project that um, Janae mentioned, which is Future Worlds, a year long multimedia youth led project. Um, that, that is like built on Afrofuturist and hip hop like tenants and ideals. Uh, we actually use human centered design along with the youth artists to create this huge project. Every one of these projects, it takes about 12 months to create, whether it's a festival or a theater project at the end or an immersive experience, young people are working through the, the modes of design to explore, to check in with themselves about their own identity to explore an issue that they're passionate about, whether it be police brutality or immigration or addiction, um, and then working through those modes to like bring in community, um, test some stuff out, create really like a new way of being and like possible solutions, and then to test that through doing performances. Um, and it's really, I think, like not only impacted the work, right, that we create at AS220, but the way we show up for each other um, in really beautiful ways. Um, the second way is the racial, oh, you can go back, sorry. <laughs> the second way is the racial justice initiative. So AS220, we mentioned, has been an active initiative for three years, um, which has really just been an organizing project <laughs> in so many ways to like get AS220 as an org that was historically founded by white folks to address its own BS, you know, mm -hmm. um, and really design some new solutions for how we can move forward. and. We used human-centered and we used and are using human-centered design to work through that process with lots of people. Um, and it can be, it can feel laborious, but it's, we actually have a framework to work through oper operationalizing racial justice, which really is just like a nebulous kind of concept in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. And then the last thing, and I'm gonna pass it to Janae to talk more about the way we actually practice some of this stuff, um, is the art of conflict uh, which I think is where this workshop name came from. It's like, not only have we used design to uh, explore big social issues, um, uh, like through future worlds or to actually organize for racial justice at AS220, but also when interpersonal issues come up between employees mm -hmm. or other young people, right? Like if you're trying to squash a beef or mediate like an issue between two people, what are you really trying to do? Mm -hmm. You're trying to create, you know, creatively solve a problem, right? And it's the same kind of idea. Like if me and Janae got problems, <laughs> if I come up to her like, yo, like I got an issue with what you did and I didn't check in with, with myself mm -hmm. and how I might've done harm. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not committed to the steps of design, we're not gonna be able to like actually squash that problem. You know, so we, we've been experimenting with that on ourselves and <laughs> with other, <laughs> other people. Yes. And so far so good, it's been working out pretty well. Cool. I think the next slide is for you, Janae. Yeah, designing values and ways of being. So, um, yeah, ways of being. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so ways of being is kind of like, you know, Angel mentioned it a little earlier today. It's um, kind of like 
like a code of conduct, a co code of conduct or like values that like the youth studio kind of like not just like lives by, but actually puts it into practice, right? So we don't just kind of like have these things um, kind of up for people to look at, but we actually put it into our practice as far as also like how we do deal with conflicts or even just preemptively dealing with conflicts, right? Trying to like kind of get ahead of it uh, before conflict arise. So any staff member, uh, community member, uh, family member or youth member, when they come onto our floor, we have these ways of being that are um, kind of posted everywhere. And, um, you know, one of our, our first ways of being is actually uh, hateration gets no toleration, which was actually created out of a time of conflict. So uh, it was created years ago with um, uh, staff, the founder of AS220 and young, um, young people who were members of the youth program and um, they basically, um, you know, there was a lot of tension, a lot of conflict, maybe even just like, you know, opposing members in different gangs who were, you know, there was a lot of stuff happening at the youth program. So they all sat down together to come up with this like, <clears throat> like really like commitment to each other that, um, you know, as long as they are in the space of AS220, this is what they would be committing to as far as like being um, open and respectful and, you know, recognizing that we all carry, we just, we just all have stuff, we all have baggage, but like challenging ourselves against them so that we all can like come on this floor as like, you know, a family and come, come up there to like create and love and support each other. Uh, so that's hateration and then um, underneath that, in that yellow box, uh, that's our actual ways of being that is a little bit, um, how, it's how we really put it into practice. So I'm not going to go through all of them, but like a couple of them is like one mic, which means, you know, you know, one person speaking at one time, just like respect, uh, respect whoever's speaking, uh, look alive, you know, we want you to participate, to uh, be engaged, um, and even just like struggle together, no quick fix, right? So. We're actually in the process of redoing these ways of being for um, our youth uh, currently right now, and even doing them with our youth to talk to them about them and if these resonate for them and if this is, um, you know, a commitment that they want to like continue to, you know, be a part of or like be committed to. Yeah, words. <laughs> uh, so I think that yeah, you know, we we. We've also been kind of um, just reworking them and looking at them because, you know, conflict doesn't ever end, you know, like we still have these ways of being and we have hateration, but conflict still comes up. It's something that's always, always there. So on top of just like having our ways of being and also being able to be adaptable and being able to just um, honestly be able to like switch it up if we need to, um, uh, we also uh, engage with our youth. If there is a conflict on the floor, we have mediated conversations between the young person and staff. Um, we want everybody to have access to our space and we want everybody to be able to, um, you know, just be able to vibe with each other and work with each other, respect each other. So it's not just like these are like left up on the wall and people can just look at them, but like we really do make sure that when we are having an actual conflict that we are taking our youth setting 
you know, having them separating them, having a conversation and really like working out those issues and working out their conflicts while we are, you know, referencing our ways of being and our hateration. Absolutely. Oof. No, that was great. That was great. And I, yeah, absolutely. And I was, I was just thinking about the ways that we, um, like, cause when you said like, yeah, they're not just up on the walls. Right. Cause you see that like a lot of times in schools and like no shade. Right. But like, they kind of like put the thing on the wall mm -hmm. and it's like, all right, cool. We look at it the first day of the year and then we forget them the rest mm -hmm. of the year. Um, and then also sometimes even the teacher isn't following them. Right. And so we, we like try to make sure that even when youth are coming in and they're getting orientations about who we are, this is the first thing we go through mm -hmm. in their like membership forms. They have to actually sign off on these, you know, and it's not like Janae said, it's not like saying, Oh, I'm never going to mess up. It's just saying like, look, I'm going to buy into this. And um, just to elevate one more point that Janae said, like they're not static or stagnant, static. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, they transform over time with mm -hmm. the people like not for nothing but hateration gets no toleration and janae says it all the time that's just old <laughs> like that language is mad old and it comes from like a mary j blige song which we love but <laughs> it's 2022 and so our young people like even the way we phrase things has to get fresh and like we have to rework it because a powerful statement like the this this first paragraph can like land awkwardly on young people if if the naming of it is out of date right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you'll see even in some of the language down here um definitely shout out to solo who's somewhere in the house <laughs> who's like a huge hip-hop head b-boy you know um mc like everything prolific um really just called out how we really need to bring hip-hop culture like front and center into mm -hmm. these ways of being being and not trying to emulate honestly a lot of like white nonprofit language that um, I think we've all internalized, myself included, yeah. and I feel like he was the one, engineer to call back and be like, let's let's talk about it the way we talk about it and not try to emulate this academic language that mm. actually didn't come from us anyways, you know? So, high five. That was yeah. High five. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, we can go to the next. We're going to do... Um, and, and yeah, maybe before we... um, Just to kind of preface a little bit of this, we haven't really talked about the conflict that we have endured with even partners, right? Like I know we're kind of focusing on like big systems, wide change into personal, uh, but I would say that whether it be designing ways of being, community commitments, or even just using a process to address conflict, it has been really powerful for the way that we've managed to stay in a youth prison for 25 years, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, I don't know how many folks in here like work in criminal justice or, you know, juvenile justice. Um, but you can imagine that when you see two people who look like me and Janae and our entire staff are mostly like black men, <laughs> right? Like when we're showing up to a prison saying we're going to do art and hip hop, like that doesn't always go over well, <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's like, especially in a space that is so held by mostly white men, right? And white women. Um, and so we've encountered a ton, ton, ton of conflict working in that space. Um, but I really think it's our ways of being and our deep commitment to the, like our mission that has allowed us to show up and, and be ready to like, not just deal with the conflict, but embrace it. Because we know that working with the young people is the goal. Um, and that also we do harm too. And it's, it's not just about saying, oh, the, the um, youth prison is so terrible, they're evil. 
like that's kind of not true right <laughs> like there's a lot of people in that space even if we have different ideas about ways to do the best we can for young people um we have different approaches and ways but a lot of folks do have the same goal and so i think constantly reframing what mm -hmm. conflict is and what it looks like and also that we're organizing so if it's hard it probably means we are on the right path <laughs> um i think like a lot of like this process and these ways have helped to keep us in the game <laughs> as well. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, we, um, we know that was a lot and we really thank you for listening to kind of just where we're coming from. Mm -hmm. We really want to turn it over to you all now in some breakout rooms and ask you to think about and talk about these questions. Also, please like introduce yourself briefly, but we also know like that can take a long, long time. So, you know, if you have something you want to say, maybe like introduce who you are, where you're from, what's important to you, um, and then and then kind of speak your piece. Mm -hmm. uh, but the first question is, how are you, how are you or can you be using design to organize or resolve conflict in your home, in your org, or in your local community? Just to elevate home. It's like, right? Like, this isn't just about how we organize in community or in nonprofits. It's like, we all have issues at our house too. Like, I know I do. So how do you bring design not only to your community, but in your own house, you know, your mm -hmm. own family. Um, and then secondly, how do values or ways of being inform the ways in which conflict or harm are addressed in your organization or local community? Mm -hmm. um, oh yes, it's already in the chat, y'all the yeah. best. So cool, we're gonna break out for, I think we're gonna just do 15 minutes, just so there's room for questions. Um, yeah, because then we can do a debrief and then questions afterwards. Mm -hmm. So 15 minutes, uh, we'll just say 5.15 and then we'll come back um, and we'll see you in a few. Have fun. <laughs> to talk to my partner about because we have such a long-standing relationship is you know, and, and, and when we get stressed out, sometimes you forget, we have really different communication styles. And, and then we kind of have to remind each other, and almost like translate for each other. Um, and, and, and so like, yeah, it's usually like when the deadline is coming, or, you know, we have a performance or something, that's the time where we kind of forget. So yeah, I think a lot of patients. I do want to add as well, also, just to add to the part on patience, like it takes increased effort as well, you know, and that's, that's really, that sums it up. And that then goes back to that circular part of design, right? It was about awareness awareness and trying it out testing it out and then reflecting upon it right so it goes back to that full circle folks are going to be joining us back here in just a moment Thanks for chatting, small group. Yay. I'm going to go ahead and just close all the rooms. That'll give like a one minute warning. Unless, Maude, you want to do that? Oh, yeah, I can do that right now. Because you're in charge of breakout rooms and stuff.
they're they're gonna they've got the countdown great (laughs) (laughs) sorry i sounded a little bit too excited about the countdown i don't really know where that came from Just to note that I'm really happy to see this workshop in the in the program because I think it's really important and a lot of us don't think about this enough. Yeah, this I mean the the partners we've been working with here in Seattle and um, as a, and us as an organization, Common Field, which is closing. I mean, this really is like it's <laughs> close to home around how do we talk about conflict not only organizationally but as people and in, in all the facets of our lives hey everyone hello, hello. welcome back looks i think we have everyone back yeah mod i think looks like everyone's back yeah, all right, cool, cool. Um, hopefully everyone had some fruitful conversations um, and we are really excited to hear just what came up in the breakout room. So um, yeah, in whatever fashion, well, I don't know if y'all like picked like someone to report back. I'm, I'm just like a big fan of people like, you know, a couple of folks talking just to make sure their perspectives are being shared the way they want them. Um, so if we can have how many breakout rooms? It doesn't even matter, honestly. Anyone who wants to say yeah. something, regardless of what breakout room you were in, we'd love to hear it. Any themes that came up for you, realizations, questions, anything like that, feel free to just unmute and jump on in. Anybody want to jump in? You can also um, add your comments in the chat if that feels better. Feel free to do that. Or again, if you are able just to unmute and just jump on in, you don't have to raise your hand or anything. We would love, love, love to hear your voice um, if you want to bring that to the space and read what you have to write equally. All right, so that's okay. If folks are still, oh, Raquel, I saw you on mute. I caught that. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, real quick, real quick. Well, I was just gonna say, I, 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 we kind of summed it up. We, first of all, I think our group really appreciated um, this conversation, and um, we addressed different perspectives um, in regards to conflict and trying to see it from a variety of perspectives. But I think that we all agreed upon was that um that it conflict i guess goes about dealing with communication and styles of communication and miscommunications and overall having patience and um an effort um that needs to be involved in those conflicts hello i'm chris tyler from common field 
Thank you for listening to this recording from What Now? Towards Artist-Led Movements, which took place at Washington Hall in Seattle's Central District and online from Friday, September 30th through Sunday, October 2nd, 2022. Lead organizers V. Hua and Julie Chang-Shulman programmed many of these sessions, and partners Elisha Johnson, Randy Engstrom, and Anne Folk helped shape the ideas and aspirations of this gathering and many presenters, advisors, and other local culture bearers had integral roles in the development and making of this event. We would like to thank you, our listeners, as well as our partners, presenters, advisors, project team, staff, board, and supporters for making Common Field's final gathering so thoughtful and enduring. What Now was made possible through the support of our funders, including For Culture, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts. We'd also like to thank Josh Nucci and his fellow musicians for contributing the grooves you heard in this episode. We would also like to thank our documentary partner, Jack Straw Cultural Center, for producing and hosting these recordings. We invite you to browse the rest of the What Now audio archive at jackstraw.org. That's J-A-C-K-S-T-R-A-W. Dot O-R-G. 